Welcome to the Let's Get Vulnerable podcast with me, your host, Dr. Morgan Anderson, clinical psychologist, relationship coach, love expert, creator of the ESL relationship method, and athletic wear connoisseur. My mission is to help you raise your self-worth, have great relationships, and step confidently into the next level of your life. Each week, two episodes will air featuring expert advice, live coaching, and tips showing you exactly how to improve your life and attract great relationships. You deserve to feel empowered, secure, and loved. So buckle up and let's get vulnerable. Exciting news. The ESL Empowered, Secure, and Loved eight-week relationship coaching program is officially reopened for application. This eight-week program fills up really quickly every time we open the doors. So you are going to want to apply ASAP. This program is for you if you're ready to get off the dating roller coaster for good. And if you need those internal shifts that allow you to embody a securely attached woman so you can effortlessly attract that relationship that you want. It also is for you if you need the tools for attracting and maintaining that healthy relationship. The program is designed, obviously, to help you bring in that partner that you can build a long-term, intentional, healthy relationship with. And even more importantly, it is about healing that relationship with yourself. This is that internal transformation that is needed when you're ready to step into the relationship that you deserve and to step into the next level of your life. I am personally inviting you to apply if you know that you're ready for help in this area of your life. You can't do it alone. You've tried everything and you are absolutely ready to do the internal work to get the change that you need so you can stop the pain and the heartache in your life and maybe go back into summer, go back into dating, feeling empowered, secure, and loved and ready to attract that relationship that you're so deserving of. If that's you and you're like, okay, Dr. Morgan, I hear you. I know I need this. I am going to take ownership of this area of my life. Enough is enough. I know I deserve what I deserve and I'm going to take action. If that's you, I encourage you to go to my Instagram bio, use the link there. It's apply now. So apply for the program there, or there will also be a link in the show notes. Make sure you don't wait. Apply now to reserve your spot in the program. Hello, welcome to a very special episode of the Let's Get Vulnerable podcast. We have a lovely guest with us today, Dr. Lauren Cook. Welcome, Lauren. Hey, Dr. Morgan. Thanks so much for having me. Glad to be here. I'm so excited for our conversation And I want to do an intro of you so the audience knows a little bit about you. So I'm going to read this intro. Lauren is a therapist, keynote speaker, career coach, and author. She specializes in supporting people with their life transitions and the corresponding anxiety that often comes along with those changes. 
She is the creator of the Find Your Why, Know Your Way course, which helps millennials make efficient and effective life decisions with confidence. She's the author of two books and leads the Brain Health Book Club for readers so that we can engage in meaningful conversations around mental health. Lauren lives in Pasadena, California with her husband and her Siamese cat, Mochi. I love that. Got it right. Oftentimes people are like, Mochi, what is that name? I'm oh like, no, I know that. Isn't that the dessert? Exactly. It's so good. <laughs> <laughs> that, that whole foods Mochi bar, like that always gets me in trouble. I want all of it. <laughs> exactly. I know. I love dessert so much. So of course I would name my cat after a dessert. Oh, and I love that you are a cat person. My my twin sister is a cat person and I'm a dog person. So I have a special place in my heart for cat people. <laughs> we are a unique breed sometimes, but I am a tried and true proud cat lady. I will own that. <laughs> I love that. And I also love that you have the book club. I am an avid reader. I'm usually reading two to three books at a time. They all kind of fill different needs for me, like personal development, fun, et cetera. Um, so I, I love that you offer that to your audience. That's so fun. Oh, it's it's been a blast. I mean, we just launched it in June, but it's been so great. Every month we feature a different book that has an emphasis on psychology and personal development. So this month, for example, we're doing This Is Your Brain on Food by Dr. Uma Naidu. She's, she's amazing. She's a psychiatrist and a chef. Um, and it's great. She's, she joins us for our call at the end of the month. I mean, so far, knock on wood, all the authors of the books that we've picked have joined us for our book club meeting. So that's been really fun too. So that's amazing. Wow. It's been- I'm, I'm like, I need to join this. This sounds fun. <laughs> I'll send you the link. Okay, send me the link. Uh, we have awesome conversations every month about it. And, um, and I really try and feature all kinds of different books. So, you know, some months we talk about financial development. Some months it's Good. focused on relationships, right? All kinds of things. So we might have to feature your book one of these times here. I love it. I love it. One day when it is released, that'll be very exciting. Looking forward to it. Uh, well, there's so much you and I can talk about. And before we get into some topics that I know will really serve the audience, I want to learn just a little bit more about you. I always love to know the story behind why, why psychology, why this career, why are you doing what you're doing? What, what led you there? So if you're willing to open up about that, would love to hear. Well, this is the vulnerability podcast, so I think it's relevant. And, you know, just my style as a therapist in general, I had a professor first day of grad school that he said, you know, be a human first. And that is so, so important to me to just be a real human being. So I'm very transparent and open in my process. And I, I hope that helps clients as well. You know, looking back, I don't think I necessarily really realized everything that was going on for me from a mental health standpoint. I would have physical symptoms of anxiety and stress, but I never really had a name to it or really an understanding for why I was feeling that way. And I think we see so many clients come in that way too, right? They're having stomach issues. They're just feeling exhausted and fatigued, but not always sure why. And really through my process of, you know, training and all of that, I realized, oh my gosh, 
I have so much anxiety and I've never even had a name for it or an understanding for why I feel this way. Mm. Me in particular, I've had a really bad experience with phobia. Um, I have a metaphobia, which is a phobia of vomit, actually, Mm. Um, a little bit random. Um, But, you know, what I really learned through that process of doing my own self-reflection wow, that's all there. You know, looking back at my childhood, my mom had cancer when I was two years old. She was really Mm. sick a lot of the time. Amazingly, so happy to say my mom is healthy and doing well now. She, you know, she hasn't had a relapse or anything in over 20 years, 25 years. Um, But looking back, I had the light bulbs go off of, okay, this is why I've been so anxious. This is why I was going through this for so much of my life. I've really seen how effective treatment can be, what works well. And so that's why I have such a a heart for anxiety in particular, because I know how debilitating it can be, how hopeless it can feel sometimes. And I also know that it can get better. So that's, that's where I love to do the work is helping clients who are struggling with that in their lives too. That's so powerful. And I really appreciate you sharing that. And in particular, the physical manifestation of mental health issues. Mm-hmm. When I, I worked at UCSD for my postdoc nice. and I, I worked in the student health center doing health psychology, essentially. So I would meet with people who had a medical presentation, but it was an underlying mental health concern. So all of what you're saying I have seen it so many times. And I think people aren't aware. It's just people don't realize how much those things are connected. Mm-hmm. And, and sometimes we wish it was a physical thing because that feels more accepted. There's less stigma. Yep. Mm-hmm. And in our brains, we go, well, okay, there'll be an easier solution to that. Right. So it's just, it's so powerful what, what you're talking about, the physical and mental health um, correlation connection. Yeah. It's totally connected. I mean, and I've been so interested to learn more lately about the gut brain access. I mean, yes. I don't know about for you, but looking back, you know, in my master's and my doctoral program, there was like no mention <laughs> hardly at all. Yes. Nutrition and how that can impact you. I don't think I even heard the term gut brain access while it I was not not psychiatry for sure you know and yeah. I'm psychiatry I think it can be really really helpful but I think we're really neglecting a lot of potentially other really helpful treatments so that's something I've definitely become passionate about post post school uh, I think yes. it's to learn more about it I love that I love that um and I think one of the things that's so helpful too is knowing that when when we come to this work, we are humans first. And yeah. I think you and I know that not all psychologists are created equal. Yeah. It's true. And, and I think sometimes I've had my own experiences in therapy where maybe I've met with someone who it was so boundaried, it was so clinical, it was so cold that I really didn't feel like I could connect. Mm-hmm. Um, so this whole philosophy of, Hey, you're a human first, you've had your own experience with anxiety. It just makes you a better therapist mm-hmm. and it makes, it makes people feel more comfortable. So yeah, I just really appreciate you sharing your story. Well, thank you. And I, I mean, I think it's really cool. We're starting to see the field evolve a little bit more and get more nuanced of 
allowing therapists to be human beings. Yes. Permission because so much of the conversation before is, you know, self-disclosure is a major no-no, right? Right. Even social media, it was like, you should not be really showing up on social media, right? Yes. A disclosure. And now I feel like I'm really seeing it evolve where therapists are showing up. They're giving such helpful content. And I think it really helps destigmatize mental health too, because before therapy has just been this elusive, like what happens behind the door, you know? Mm-hmm. And now it's like, Hey, we're a part of this conversation. Let's talk about it more openly. I'm really excited to see those changes happening. I am as well. Absolutely. We need to normalize mental health treatment. It's not just for quote unquote crazy people, right? Yeah. Um, there, you are strong when you seek out mental health treatment. And I think it's this awareness of really, truly just about anybody can benefit from that space Mm -hmm. to process with someone who is unbiased, who can give you um, the feedback, the support, et cetera. So yeah, such an exciting time for the field. It's, it's definitely evolving and I hopefully see less stigma. So let's keep it going. (laughs) Let's keep it going. This could be a whole other podcast, but (laughs) Lauren, um, I definitely have some things I wanted to talk with you about just given your area of expertise. And one is seeing women in their careers and how sometimes we can get caught up in just advancing and getting them to that next level, being the best of the best. And sometimes we can almost lose ourselves and taking care of ourselves in that pursuit. And then on top of that, how that impacts our ability to have a romantic relationship and make space for that. So it's a big topic, but I would love to hear your thoughts on that. Yeah, that's why I love the intersection with career and anxiety, because so many of us are really anxious in the sense of what's my career going to look like? We're so future focused, right? We have such a hard time being in the here and now. Mm -hmm. And I think what's also really problematic, especially, you know, for millennials, and we see this with Generation Z too, there's so much expectation and people really start to place their worth in their achievements rather than their worth just being inherent to who they are. So we just feel this constant pressure to have to prove ourselves. And it's no wonder we're feeling burned out and exhausted and insecure and lonely, right? I mean, I was just talking about National Workaholics Day, which, you know, over 50% of people in the U.S. identify as a workaholic. We're working ourselves so much that we're often abandoning our relationships in the process. And it's not uncommon. I'm sure you see this too, where people will say, you know, well, I just don't have time for a relationship right now. I'm not ready for that. I've got too much to focus on with work or I don't have time for friends. That always makes me feel sad inside because, you know, most people, when you ask them at the end of their lives, you know, how do you want to have spent your life while you're on this planet? They will always come back to relationships. They will not say, I wish I put in 10 extra hours at work each week, you know? Um, And so really my goal with my clients is to help them find that life balance, right? And I very much love a both and perspective of how can we help you have a fulfilling career and have meaningful relationships? Call me an optimist, but I believe you can have both. Um, Sometimes you need some sacrifices on each end, but 
if you go in with that intention of still having relationships, still having meaning in your career, you can have that. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I can really relate to this with my past self as someone who was really driven to achieve the doctorate, as I, as I know you can relate to that, that stress of, okay, there's always something I should be doing. I'm never good enough. There's always a classmate of mine who's doing more Mm-hmm. And the the fear that gets in your mind about, well, what if I don't get a placement or what if I'm not good enough, right? It just gets drilled into you in, in graduate school. Mm-hmm. Um, and I certainly developed the mindset of just work harder, don't care about relationships right. to the point of I'm in grad school and I also had two part-time jobs on top of graduate school. Wow. <laughs> so, yeah. so- I had the workaholic mindset for years mm-hmm. and it it really did hit me at one point where whenever I would have free time, it was, well, gosh, I don't even really have anybody to hang out with or anybody I want to talk to. Mm-hmm. And that, that feeling of loneliness and the awareness that I created that I had kind of shut people out. So mm-hmm. This was the past. And I, and I think though, that it's so easy to get caught in that place of if I I just work harder, Mm -hmm. then I'll be, I'll be good enough. I'll be, I'll be worthy also because it's a little bit more predictable and linear, like work harder, get better results. Relationships are not that way. Right. Right. Like it's not work super hard in your relationships and then it's, it's great. It's like, no, you have to slow down, make space, do the inner work on you mm-hmm. and allow for enjoyment of other people. It's, it's a very different thing. So oh, totally different framework. And I, I love everything you're saying with that. I mean, I think we can see too why it's so hard to want to invest time in friendship sometimes, because especially if we're coming at it from an anxious place. If I work harder, I feel more in control of my career. And maybe you're seeing more tangible outcomes, right? For those of us who love our daily to-do lists, Mm -hmm. we get that dopamine hit every time we're getting the check mark, right? Whereas in our relationships, there's not always those tangible, all right, spent 15 minutes talking to a friend, check check that off. Not the same thing, even though we could make the argument that there's just as deep, if not deeper value in that too, but it's not as tangible. Absolutely. Absolutely. What advice do you have for um, someone who's listening and they're having that realization? Wow. I'm not slowing down. I'm not making space in my life for the balance for, Mm -hmm. for relationships. What do you think some of the first steps are? I think you've got to play to your strengths, you know, for the people who are tuning in and maybe a bell is going off of like, oof, I might be a workaholic or I haven't been prioritizing my relationships. Play to your strengths and look at your schedule and see where can I add in some time for some relationships. Take in that step of maybe I will spend 15 minutes talking to a friend, you know, and then as that happens, be open to the meaning, be open to that time together. But you've got to actually map it out on your calendar because so many of us, we book our calendars full and then time with friends, time for dating, whatever it might be, is kind of an afterthought. So 
I'm a big advocate first and foremost, get those relationships actually on the calendar. I love that so much. I will always tell people when we schedule something, we make it real. Yep. Uh, which is a Tony Robbins quote. I didn't come up <laughs> with that, but we schedule it. We make it real. And that includes time for ourselves, our self-care time and that relationship time. Mm-hmm. Um, we have to create the space in order to allow for connection. Mm-hmm. Like structure equals opportunity for connection, which yeah. I think sometimes is a paradox and people can't really grasp that, but you, you have to make the space for it to happen. You have to, you have to, and I'm guilty of this myself. Like I'm not going to claim perfection on this one by any means. You know, just yesterday I had a speaking event last night and I was like, Ooh, I don't feel ready enough. What's the one thing I can cancel my phone call with my friend. You know, Mm. it's really hard in those moments because when we feel those deadlines in our lives, we feel that pressure. What are the first two things that often go? Relationships, self-care, exercise, eating well, whatever it might be, right? So we've really got to take a hard look at that and have compassion with ourselves for when we do need to cancel. We're all human beings. But really trying to look out beyond, hey, what's my next 24 hours? Trying to look out at our whole week and see how can I use my time effectively so that I can still keep these relationships a priority in my life. Absolutely. I love that. So everyone, make sure you're scheduling that time. Get get your Google Calendar, your planner, wh- whatever you use. Schedule it out. Um, <laughs> the other thing I think we can point out, Lauren, is that, hey, when you have a healthy relationship life, that will actually help you in your career. Yes. Mm-hmm. No, a hundred percent. I mean, when you are feeling good about your relationships, it completely flows into the work that you're doing. I was actually just working on this with a client yesterday. She's really going through some tough relationships. And I, I see this happen for a lot of people, especially for workaholics. You have people in your life that you have kept with you for years. And a lot of times that's because you haven't had time to make new friendships. So the ones that you've had since childhood or high school or college, we're going to cling to those for life because these are the the people that I have left. Well, she was feeling so much guilt, you know, because she was just feeling so loyal to these people, even though the relationship was no longer benefiting her or the other person. And it was really affecting her self-confidence in her work, actually, because as she was feeling inadequate in the relationship, it was making her feel inadequate about her work, too, right? And as she's trying to level up and be confident in the work she's doing, and she has this fear that this friend's going to make fun of her or talk down to her for pursuing her goals, we were really looking at that dynamic of, hmm, this, this, is, this is hurting you, it sounds like, you know? So... I think there's definitely a bi-directional relationship there and something that we need to get curious about. I love that. I think that's really true. Um, I think acknowledging ways that if, if we want to grow in our lives and we're not having that same growth in our relationships, mm-hmm. it's going to show up in other areas, whether yeah, it's career, et cetera. Um, 
And, and I think the willingness to have tough conversations too, right? Like you're, you're talking about like the scarcity mindset. This person's been your friend forever. You don't want to lose them and you don't have the time quote unquote to make new friends. So you're clinging on and then you're not showing up as your authentic self where you can set boundaries and express what you really want. So Mm -hmm. yeah. Um, being, being willing to be open to the kinds of friendships that serve you in your growth mm-hmm. and can, and can meet you where you're at. And same with career, right? Like being willing to be open to those career shifts Yes, that's that so- support you. That's why I'm always such a fan of encouraging people to get uncomfy, <laughs> you know, lean into the discomfort. If we want to see ourselves grow with our career and in our relationships, we've got to be willing to be vulnerable as we're mm-hmm. talking about with the, the notion of this podcast today and just step into that uncomfy space. You know, when, like you said, we're operating from that scarcity mindset, it's let me stick to the comfort of these people who I've known for years. Let me stick to the comfort of this job, even if it's not serving me or I'm miserable there, right? We've got to be open to maybe creating some change in our lives, even though that may feel anxiety provoking for us. If we know that we can get through it, if we know that we're resilient, we're going to be able to see what's on the other side of that. Such a good point. Being willing to get uncomfortable, right? At the at the core of that, sometimes what comfortable what is comfortable is actually hurting us. Yes. Um, so I think one thing to acknowledge too, career is such a big part of our life. Mm-hmm. And that feeling, you know, I've been reading a lot about workplace satisfaction and what people really want at their job. And it's amazing how people rank really highly that they want to feel like they're giving back to the world in some way, or that they're, they're connecting with their purpose in some way they're, they're doing some good. That's a really important feeling at work. And if you're not getting that, you, you might not be very happy. Yeah. No, that's, that's spot on. And there's a lot of careers that maybe don't have that sense, right. Of feeling like, you are giving back to the world or having a sense of purpose. So that's where we've really got to do that work of like, do I need to reframe how I'm seeing this work or do I need to make a pivot? You know, it it depends for each person, but Mm -hmm. I always come back to that value space piece. Like you have to understand what you value in your life and make decisions based upon that rather than letting your life happen to you. And all of a sudden you wake up one day and you're like, I am absolutely miserable and I don't know why, you know, coming back to your values is something so, so key. And I'll, I'll briefly mention if anybody's listening and they're like, I couldn't actually name to you what my top values are. Go to my website. I've got my activate your values handout. You can download for free. And hopefully that can be a helpful tool for folks to actually identify what brings them meaning in their life. Awesome. We'll put that in the show notes. What, what is your website? It's drlaurencook.com. Easy. Love it. Drlaurencook.com. There, there we go. Values are so important and same for relationships, being able to make value-based decisions in relationships. I think one thing that I want to talk about just real quick is what happens when you don't listen to your values when you stay in something that's comfortable just because it's comfortable, even though you're miserable, mm-hmm. right? I think you and I know it leads to suffering. It leads to numbing behaviors. Yep. 
it's not a good place to be. It's really, really not. And, you know, we've got to get curious about why we are keeping ourselves in that place. Is it because we're feeling so anxious and we're afraid of change that that comfortability, even though it's making us miserable, is a way to feel in control? Could it be that we're feeling depressed and we just don't have the energy to make the change? There's so many different factors for why people stay in the situations that they do. And I think that's where therapy or talking to a friend can be super, super helpful to just get outside of your head, to talk Mm -hmm. about someone. I know, I'm sure you see this too, where you literally see clients develop confidence as they talk it out because Mm -hmm. they realize, oh, this actually maybe isn't as scary as I thought it would be, or just having it normalized of, Hey, a lot of people go through this and a lot of people get through to the other side of it, giving people that encouragement that you can make the change if you want to. I think that's really helpful for people to hear if they are feeling in that stuck place. Absolutely. Yeah. And I'm thinking about how often, you know, myself included, I've done this in the past, but we'll beat ourselves up for not making the change. We'll be so critical like, oh, you should have figured this out by now. Why haven't you done this? You're still stuck, whatever. Um, and you can get so self-critical about it when if you were self-compassionate, if you actually tuned into, hey, what is the barrier to this change? And maybe it is anxiety. Maybe it is depression. Maybe it is certain feelings or fears you have. And if you could just address those things mm-hmm. and then you can support yourself through the change instead of criticizing and beating yourself up through it. It's, And I'm sure that's a big part of what you do, right? Is help people make these changes in a self-compassionate way. Oh, yeah. I mean, let's see. It's I think it might be hiding here on my shelf, but there it is. You and I probably both love Kristen F. Yes. This book is gold. Yeah, no, I mean, it's amazing how many of us we like totally finger wag at ourselves, you know, of like, you should do better. Why, why do you suck at this? And it's like, if we even think about when we're little kids, you know, if a parent or a teacher talked to us that way, that typically doesn't want to make us do better or make a change. And yet somehow we have so often internalized that if we're hard on ourselves, we'll do better, you know, and that's often really not the case. It's when we're compassionate to ourselves. Hey, you got this. We're going to get through this. It may not be easy, but we'll figure out a way. That's what actually motivates people to stand on up and take those steps. So I think really important to think about how am I talking to myself? Because that that kind of self-talk is actually really powerful. Couldn't agree more. Yes. <laughs> And I, I also love Kristen Uh, for our listeners. If you haven't heard of her, you can go to her website too. I believe it's self-compassion.org. But if you just Google Kristen Neff self-compassion, it'll come up. So I'm excited about her new book too. Fear self-compassion. Yes, yes, yes. (laughs) So good. Um, Is there anything Lauren that we haven't talked about that you feel like the audience would benefit from. Obviously, I just want to point out that all these things are connected, right? Obviously, I talk a lot about relationships and attachment theory, but your relationship with yourself, your relationship with a partner, that is connected to how you show up at work, how you navigate career. It's all it's all connected. You take yourself everywhere you go. So <laughs> it's all connected. So yeah, Lauren, anything you want to share with the listeners? 
Yeah. Well, I love that you bring up attachment work. I love attachment work as well. And knowing your attachment style, I think is really, really helpful in the context of career as well. Because if you do have that anxious attachment, you may find that you keep yourself in a position or in a job that is not serving you, that you're not happy with. But again, once again, that scarcity mindset, I can't make a change. I'm so afraid of something new. Mm -hmm. And you keep yourself in that space. Or if you have more that avoidant attachment style, you could be that one that's jumping from job to job and never really grounding yourself to see it through for a little bit longer, right? So I think knowing your attachment style is super important in the context of work as well, not just relationships. I love that. That could definitely be a book in the future. You want to team up on a on a book? Let's do it. Because <laughs> yeah, yeah. I my brain starts thinking about it. Also relates to the level of feedback that we need and how we how we need reassurance and communication in the workplace and what what kind of communication works best for us can certainly be shaped by our attachment style. So yeah. so many ways that that can impact your work life. I think we've got a book idea there. There yeah. we go. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. But yeah, no, I mean, just in, in concluding thoughts, I, I always love sharing with people, you know, what can you do to, to jump off the diving board today? You know, at, at my core, I tend to be a bit of a behavioral therapist, especially working with anxiety. And so much of it is just showing yourself that you can do it. You know, mm-hmm. you can go to that party. You can go on that date. You can do that job interview all those things in your mind that's telling you, you can't, you can't. I'm a really big advocate of behaviorally showing yourself that you can, you know, that's that's actually when the brain buys in, right? We can try and positive self-talk all day, Mm -hmm. but until we actually show ourselves, Hey, I got through that. That's when your mind actually starts to buy in and build confidence of, yeah, maybe you can do that. You know? So what can you do to jump off your diving board today to be courageous and go after the things that you're passionate about. I love that. It's so true. Uh, this whole realization that you are not your thoughts. We have thoughts, right? If we look at evolutionary psychology, we realize, wow, thoughts were designed to keep us safe. They weren't necessarily designed to keep us fulfilled. Yes. So really realizing um, you know, what thoughts are and what, what is their purpose And then this piece of sometimes you have to act your way into a new way of feeling Mm. you can't change the feeling. You got to do those behaviors, do the action, and then you will create that new way of feeling. So very powerful, very powerful. Um, If you're listening to this and you are ready to do a behavior and take an action, make sure you DM myself or Dr. Lauren, we'd love to hear what you decided to do. What was your jumping off the diving board moment? Tell us. <laughs> I love um, it. I hear it. Yeah. And you can find Lauren. It's at dr.laurencook on IG. That's correct. Yep. At Dr. Lauren Cook. Yes. And you all know how to find me, Dr. Morgan coaching. We would love to hear from you. Just your takeaways from this episode And before I let you go, Lauren, I ask every guest this question. Um, If you were just walking down the street and there's a random person and they are asking you for your best life advice 
of the moment. Doesn't have to be all time. No, no pressure, but just best life advice currently. What would you, what would you say? Oh, that's a fun question. Well, what's been on my mind lately, because you and I are talking on a Friday and I don't know about you, Morgan, but it's been a busy week and I'm, I'm tired. I'm ready to rest, you know, and oftentimes for people who maybe do overwork themselves, it's hard to rest. Like, I think that's why we're having such a conversation about self-care societally, because self-care is actually really not easy to do. So one of my mantras when I'm struggling to rest is, you know what? Self-care isn't selfish. It's not self-centered. It allows yourself to be centered. And so that's probably the advice that I would give to someone and to myself that, you know what? It's okay to take a breather. It's okay to relax. And it's okay if relaxing feels uncomfortable. The, the point is that you come into it. I love that so much. Yes. You're making me want to go get my sweatpants out right now. (laughs) Yes. Have some somewhat of a restful day or at least a restful weekend, you know? (laughs) You know, it's so true though. This whole point of rest is powerful. People think like, oh, just keep working, just keep working, be more productive. When you rest, that means that then when you are working, you are so much more powerful, so much more efficient. Mm-hmm. So it's rest is required. Yes. It's a must. It's, it's a, must. a must. Yeah. No point in guilting yourself for it. Absolutely. Well, it's been so lovely to talk with you, Lauren, and I need to make a trip down to SoCal at some point. So I'll have to let you know. I miss it. I miss the tacos. Oh, oh my gosh. We <laughs> talked about the taco stand last time. Yes. The taco stand in San Diego, the shrimp tacos best tacos of my life. Oh, hands down. Remember the Al Pastor with pineapple. That's the, that gets me. I get those ones too. Those are so good. <laughs> so yes. Tacos now, but I know I don't live in San Diego anymore, but man, we may need to have a meetup in San Diego just to eat our way through town. I love it. Sounds so fun. Well, once again, thank you so much. And those of you who tuned in, I know that you got a lot of value out of this. Make sure you go follow Dr. Lauren on IG. She also has a website. She has the book club. She has a lot of wonderful resources. So make sure you connect with her and thank you so much for your time. Oh, thanks for having me on Morgan. Really glad we could do this. Yes. And of course, everyone, I'm wishing you high self-worth and great relationships. We'll talk to you soon. You guys, thanks for tuning in. I really appreciate each and every one of you. The best way that you can thank me is by sharing this episode on Instagram, Facebook, and making sure that you tag me at Dr. Morgan Coaching. And it would really mean the world to me if you took just two minutes to leave me a five-star review on iTunes. This podcast is not free to produce. And the more that you help this little show grow, the more people will have access to this valuable information. So until next time, I'm wishing you high self-worth and great relationships. Thank you for being part of this community.